Hi, everyone. You're listening to Asides, the Cal Shakes podcast in collaboration with We Rise Production. This is SK Karastas, artistic producer at Cal Shakes. On July 15th, Cal Shakes hosted a community meal and civic dialogue about the role of joy in our movement building, our resistance, and our art. The conversation was inspired by our production of House of Joy by Madri Shekar. Here's the conversation. Hi, welcome everybody. Thank you. Um, If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you before, my name is Tiara Allen. My pronouns are she and they, and I'm manager of artistic engagement at Cal Shakes. I am here just to give a brief welcome um, before we get on to this event. I want to thank all of you for choosing to share a meal and build community with us before the world's premiere of House of Joy. So we, of course, want to start by acknowledging that the land that we're standing on is indigenous land. It's stewarded by the Chochenyo-speaking Ohlone people. There are different ways that people can move to be more in solidarity with Ohlone communities. One of those ways is by giving a Shumi land tax that then indigenous people use to buy back land that is currently being occupied. And so if you uh, want more information about that, we actually have on page 28 of our program a website where you can look up the Shumi land tax. Other, yes, let's go ahead and snap for that. Thank you, thank you. I'm gonna kick it over to SK. Thanks, Tierra. Hi, how's everyone doing tonight? Yes, cute, also, okay. Also, hello, corner table. So, hey, my name is SK, I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the artistic producer here at CalShakes. Hi, I'm Kimia Shokri. I'm the assistant director for House of Joy, and I use she, her pronouns, and I'm so excited to be here with you all today. Cute. So Kimia and I are kind of co-facilitating this conversation tonight with two guests and with all y'all, which we'll get to in a second. We are going to be having a conversation about the role of joy in movement building, in resistance work, and in art making, and really glad to be sharing space with you all around that. Why are we having this conversation right now? Maybe obvious, um, but also for me, it really like seeing this play that y'all are about to see tonight and thinking about sort of what is resonating with me and with folks that I know like in this world right now. To me, there was no other question. (laughs) It had to be about joy. The story House of Joy, which we'll get into, it follows a team of women bodyguards for the emperor's harem in pre-colonial India on the cusp of the fall of the Mughal Empire. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, (laughs) Right, so the characters we follow are these bodyguards, and they're, you know, living under extremely oppressive conditions. And to me, this play is about change and what it takes. And amidst all of this, in the play, there is joy. There are dirty jokes. There's flirting and pleasure and a lot of risk. And I just want to actually really dive into that. I'm also reading Pleasure Activism right now, (laughs) or like just finished it. So I feel like it's really um, reframing the way I'm thinking about plugging into healing and change work and whatnot right now. So that's, that's, that was kind of like my approach to this question. Yeah, and to affirm what SK is saying, we were also talking about why this conversation is important right now. And I think what you'll find when you see House of Joy tonight is that it feels so contemporary, even though we're set in, you know, a past setting. It will ask questions of 
what complicity means right now, what activism means right now, and uh, what it means to find joy amidst the oppression that we face daily. So we're excited to talk about it today. Yeah, hell yeah. Cool. So we're going to talk about kind of who we are sitting at this table. Just as a heads up, both Kimmy and I are going to be like participating in the combo as well. And also want folks out here to participate as well. We have a wireless mic that Tierra is so graciously agreed to run. So in moments where we're inviting share outs, just like raise your hand and we'll come to you and, and we'll see you. And I just want to name, you know, sometimes with these dialogues or panels there's this convention that somehow we up here are more important or somehow experts or whatever and I just want to really like interrupt that and stress that that is not the case I know there are people here tonight who are artists who are organizers who are healers who are parents who are friends and supporters who are health workers who are youth workers you know there's just solid people here and everyone's voice is super (laughs) valuable for this conversation and wanted to name that yeah so we're gonna do a bunch of kind of like we all talk at our tables moments and we'll talk at this table too and then share out together. Cool. So to kick it off, just real quick, I'm going to introduce some of the people at this table. I'm going to kick it off with Cece Gervais. Um, Cece is a Richmond native serving her community as a teaching artist, a healer, Richmond's poet laureate, writer, yeah, I know, hello, (laughs) activist and scholar. She reps her ancestors and shines light on the lived experiences of the divinity in black women and girls through poetry and performance. She also, yes, she also serves as the media arts and culture manager at the Rise Center in Richmond, California, where she is able to support the healing process of youth ages 13 to 21. She is the published author of her new collection of poems, Unto Ivy's Rib, as well as the author of two chapbooks, Testimonies of Richmond and Incarcerated Words. We've got two copies of the book tonight. They are for sale. Um, First come, first serve. Let's give it up for Cece, y'all. I'm also going to introduce Kimia Shokri. She is the literary manager and resident dramaturg at Theater First and has been, yeah, hey, hey, has been the assistant director for the world premiere of House of Joy here at Cal Shakes. She is an Iranian-American theater artist and activist born and raised in the Bay Area, creating purposeful and unapologetic theater as an actor, writer, director, and dramaturg. She is a published writer and researcher from her time at St. Mary's College of California, and the bulk of her research focuses on playwrights of color and post-colonial thought. Mm. She lives for social justice theater and is exploring her role as a playwright as she develops her new play, Yadam, for Theater First's Future Tense Developmental Festival. Hey, give me Hey, hey. Thank you, SK. (laughs) Um, I'm going to introduce Madri Shaker. She uses she, her pronouns. Madri's plays have been produced internationally and across the U.S., and she is thrilled for House of Joy to have its world premiere at Cal Shakes. Her other plays include In Love and Warcraft, A Nice Indian Boy, Queen, Bucket of Blessings, and Daba on Devon Avenue premiering at Victory Gardens next spring. Her first audio play, Evil Eye, is available now on audible.com and debuted on their bestseller list in May 2019. She's an alumna of the Juilliard Playwriting Program and a staff writer for the new HBO show, The Nevers, created by Joss Whedon. You can follow her at Mad Plays. (laughs) 
And of course, SK Karastas uses they them pronouns. SK is currently the artistic producer at Cal Shakes. Currently, they are working with Mia Mingus of the Bay Area Transformative Justice Collective and a cohort of 27 Bay Area theater workers to build up a transformative justice resource within the theater community out here. So we can address the harm happening in our rehearsal rooms and organizations and thoroughly support accountability processes. Give it up for SK. Okay, now we're actually going to take a moment where everyone at the picnic tables can introduce themselves to each other. If y'all wouldn't mind just like turning in and saying hey and giving your name and pronouns and then facing back out when you're done. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that. Okay, we're going we're gonna to invite focus back into the larger space from folks all right so we're gonna kick it off at the start of this conversation we've got a couple questions the first one we're gonna actually do a similar thing where we're gonna talk as a panel and then y'all are gonna also talk at your tables so the first question is really about what is joy to you and how are you finding it right now in this moment in your life you know, and also just I'll just say, like, you know, maybe self monitor in terms of how deep you want to go and how vulnerable you want to go, especially if you have strangers. <laughs> There's an amazing teacher named Lev in the Bay who talks about, you know, like oversharing regret and like, you know, <laughs> maybe like, you know, where y'all are going to blame us for your overshare afterwards. So maybe just like check in and make sure, that, like, you know, you share what you want to share. And we'll give you maybe five minutes to just chat it out with the folks at your table and then we'll all come back together. Cool. Thanks, y'all. Okay, everyone, we're going to encourage folks to finish up, wrap up maybe the last sentence or sentiment and bring the focus back to the center. And if you need to keep going, that's okay, too. I respect that. Awesome. We got a little carried away. <laughs> and are curious to hear if anyone wants to share out about kind of what came up for y'all in that question. We talked about movement building, about identity, about pressure, guilt, about service about self-care <laughs> y'all want to chime in in this popcorn we touch a lot of subjects yeah we'd love to hear if anyone is down about the combos that were happening at the tables too we talked about being in transition and how joy is kind of put on hold for a moment and during that period because mm -hmm. you're trying to find your way through it you don't want to get too happy you know and um and we talked about everything that you just said in different ways <laughs> and i think as an artist in order to produce our art, Michelle said the feeling of safety is what gives her the best joy. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's essential in order to be an artist. We have to feel safe. Yeah. Um, any thoughts from other tables or responses to that comment in particular? 
Yeah, in response to putting joy on hold, what came up at our table was watching how kids can enact and engage in joy and how they generate joy. And there can be complex things going on simultaneously, whether it's from that show that you mentioned, um, where you know kids are having their own experience, even though the world may be going crazy. So just more permission to engage with joy. It doesn't cancel out other things, but it actually is a reservoir to draw from to kind of get through other times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, any responses or other comments from folks either at this table or any table in the space? We went back to India at this table and I think to living and celebrating despite everything that happens at a macro level was, you know, powerful listening at this table. Like Aishani living her life so attentively herself and Arpita, you know, sharing her talent and joy and uh, me just being here amongst the trees. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Any responses or shares to that one? Anyone want to build? Yeah, go for it. So I've learned that in nature, things naturally change and grow. And I think that we live in a society that doesn't understand that and doesn't encourage that. And so the way that I've internalized that is, for example, when I try and set a goal or when I try and pursue something that I've told myself makes me happy, in the process of that, I don't allow myself to also grow and change. Mm -hmm. And so I've realized that what brings me joy is acknowledging that of course I grow and change because I'm of nature and everything naturally grows and changes and is fluid and that fluidity is beautiful and to me um, looking back at the ways that I've changed not only makes me excited for the future but I kind of give myself a bit more I guess I'm more gracious with myself when I'm changing and don't really understand that change so that's something that I've learned brings me joy Yeah, I just want to add that um, I want to resist also objectifying joy as like, oh, to be resilient in these times, got to like make sure I find my joy, just like I have to make sure I like do my self-care, like (laughs) um, that sort of attitude or that pressure doesn't actually serve me. So wanting to resist that and allow joy to be spontaneous and like you were saying Mm -hmm. to flow and to change or other people are saying too, there can be times where there are other things that are more present. And that's okay. And then when the joy comes, then that doesn't mean that all of these other shifts or intensities aren't also happening. Yes. I know, I have responses too. (laughs) Anyone from this table? I feel like I'm not really checking in with you. Oh yeah, go for it. I'm just hearing that it's such a sensory experience and not a rational cranial experience. Mm -hmm. And it's almost the safety that allows the letting go. So that, you know, sight, sound, taste, touch, you know, water came up over here. Um, And then I'm smelling Mm -hmm. the trees. So that's what I'm going to (laughs) say. 
I know. Thank you for bringing us to the elements. I appreciate that so much. We're out here amidst these beautiful trees. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and I feel that. Yes to change. Oh, my gosh. So deep. I was talking about the ways I've been, like, conditioned to deny and doubt the joy. that, And, and so much of it is about just, like, accepting it and letting it be. And um, letting go of maybe old truths that were, like, true for me one time and not anymore. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to take it into maybe more, like, work art space? Yeah. Does that sound good? Sounds great. So something else we were talking about was kind of implementing joy into work and creativity and so something we were asking was how can we cultivate joy especially when we're creating works about oppression and kind of operating within our own sense of despair like when you hear things on the news when you see things um, when you know what's happening and trying to address that like how do you cultivate joy out of that yeah, I don't know if we want to pass it to the panel. Or... Yeah, go for it. We haven't heard from Cece or Madri. Either of you feel compelled? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so I work at the RISE Youth Center. And so a lot of my work, uh, I serve as the Media Arts and Culture Manager, is working with young folks, particularly around spoken word, poetry, um, but music, painting, kind of any and everything that young folks are interested in. And so it gives me a really unique opportunity to get to see the trauma and grief that young folks go through through their art. And that is one extremely beautiful. And then it's also really painful for me. And I think a lot of the folks that I work with. So I think in regards to that is what's the day to day work in cultivating that joy and not experiencing burnout, which is something that we were talking about, just because you're inundated with a lot of young folks who are experiencing really intense traumas just from like what's happening at school, what's happening on a global level, what's happening in the household, and it's all happening. And there's like 70 young folks in, in one space, and you're like, how do I function, right? A lot of that is this idea of giving yourself permission to take a break. What does it look like to take a step back? A lot of times when it's too heavy, some of the young folks will bring in like funny videos and we'll just like laugh about it. Right. And it's like it feels weird because you're like, well, I'm in the middle of dealing with this really intense thing, but it's just too heavy. Sometimes it really is just too heavy. And so I think for us, it's finding those moments to laugh about a TV show. It's finding those moments where we're like, you know what? This is a lot. We are going to put on an open mic or we're going to put on a drag show or like what's something that really gets everybody excited um, and just kind of out of that state of despair. For me, it's definitely giving myself permission to (laughs) take a step back, find something that makes me laugh. And at the end of the day, remember why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. A lot of our work is directly focused on liberation, right? So not only are we teaching young folks how to kind of maneuver through these systems, but we're also teaching them how to dismantle the systems. And so if I know that that's the end goal and I need to be there for that end goal, what are the things that I need to do to make sure that I make it there? And a lot of that for me and a lot of the staff is is laughter. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm super giggly and goofy. <laughs> it's just, I can't help it. And so, yeah. Just really trying to bring that into the day-to-day as much as possible. Yeah. Yes. That's super inspiring. (laughs) Um, 
Uh, I'm I'm not one of those writers that believes that uh, art can change the world, which is heretical, probably. I think art can um, I think art can change the artist, and I think that's where I come from. So I feel like writing for me is what gives me joy, and then that joy helps me do the hard work that is living ethically in the world. So that's that's just one thing. And then w- within what I write. It's impossible for me not to write something that is not joyful. It's just I can't do it. And for me, that means finding the love in the story. Because I think that love is the most joyful thing that we can experience because it's positive and generative. And you can love a person. You can love a thing. You can love a place. You, but it's that thing that keeps you going, right? It keeps you living. It, it gives you purpose and it gives you direction. So... Whenever I'm writing a story, it's the, the question is always, where is the love in the story? And then I go towards that love. Mm-hmm. Like, which characters love each other? What does this character care about and love, you know, um, just love more than in anything else? I, you can't write a story unless you have those people in it. So that's always been very helpful for me in my writing. And I also think a, a genuine love, like when it comes to theater, a genuine love of the audience because you're all really, really wonderful for taking time out of your lives and coming out here. So um, I, I felt this a lot when we were working on this play, but there's just so much love within the company and so much love for the audience and what we're going to share with you. So that's that's how I see joy in, in my work. And it's, I, I don't know how people do it with, without that, you know, it's... There's, there's, you know, there's, there's enough suffering. <laughs> there's so, there's enough. Like, you don't want to come to see a story to be preached at, or you know, it, you want to feel the affirmation that no matter what happens, we all have that strength and that joy and that laughter within us because that's true. We know it from our everyday lives, you know. So that's. I hope you enjoy the play tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's really inspiring for me to hear um, as I'm kind of making my transition, having just graduated from college and like starting all these different theater careers and starting writing. Um, I think it is really hard to find the joy, especially when you're writing pieces about trauma and um, using these plays as a form of healing is what I've found. Um, my play Yadam that I've been developing is um, about the Iranian revolution and how that kind of violence and diaspora has affected me. And so using it as a vehicle of healing, um, it's really beautiful to hear from you the root of love in your work mm-hmm. and finding that um, because I, I definitely find myself questioning joy and the role of it in my work, in my life during this transition period. So I think it's it's really great to hear that as a a method (laughs) yeah totally I just want to reflect back that I'm hearing a lot of like individual practice and also collective practice and co-holding of how hard of the difficulty you know what I mean like just hearing you some of my background is in like working with queer and trans young people uh, making art and I, I feel like there's a special thing that happens where like yeah it's so hard and that people are that much fiercer about like doing it together creating the joy together but yeah i'll just chime in we're doing we're doing a bunch of transformative justice organizing where a bunch of like 27 theater artists are like in a room working with mia mingus in these like long sessions where we're learning about like trauma responses and like harm you know and keep like basic 
ass shit like communication and you know receiving <laughs> feedback and like knowing your own kind of like body triggers and stuff and like you know it's really hard people are getting triggered like every other minute and needing you know to take care of themselves and yet the spirit in the room is one of like such joy and like lots of like making fun of each other and like teasing and stuff and you know also like in this way making fun of like how broken we all are and saying that with like love you know and like uh with that this courage to like mend each other together so i'll offer that too let's open it up to other tables does anyone have any sort of responses or and also to the panelists responses to what each other are saying <laughs> or any new offerings to the conversation Sure. Just a quick reflection. I'm really appreciating this conversation so deeply. And one thing is that we've been talking about personal and collective. And um, I, my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. And from from them, I feel like I partially internalized that like joy is futile, and like I need to keep my head to the ground and work and and like I can't have joy until I like accomplished. Mm -hmm this like grandiose social change that is requisite right now. Mm. And so it's been like a thus far lifelong learning. And also like when I was little, I knew how to be happy. And so I'm like relearning that joy is not only allowed, but it's like fundamental and actually like the end goal that I'm seeking anyway. Mm -hmm. mm. Heard so um, I, I appreciate, um, and I actually wrote it down, where is the love in the story and the mm -hmm. love for the audience? And I think that that is one of the things that I learned the most this year is there is a way, um, as artists, we have a responsibility to develop the right technique to storytell without necessarily triggering mm -hmm. and harming our audience. And so I'm really, really interested in learning more about that. But at the same time, I know that there are stories that need to be told, but there's a way, right, that we can tell them and we need to find out how to make sure that we're doing that correctly because I don't want to harm the audience. I don't want anybody to leave um, from experiencing storytelling and say, you know, I, I'm never going to be the same again because I'm hurt, I'm wounded. Uh, this opened up something, but I definitely want healing to always be attached to it in some way, somehow. Um, so I, I, I think I'm going to be, you know, just more selective, more picky, um, and learn more techniques. And I'm taking Eric Ting's master class on Sunday. <laughs> um, so hopefully that will <laughs> I'm just putting them on the spot. So, right. <laughs> So hopefully, you know, that'll be part of my training as well. You know, we'll touch on that. Um, but definitely, I think that that is something that I really want to focus on is how to tell stories responsibly to make sure that the love and the healing is going forth. Yeah, any responses to that? Oh, yeah, go ahead. I just really appreciate all the offerings that folks gave. Um, I think for me, what's really manifesting is this idea of like, well, one, I love that quote that art doesn't change the world, art changes the artist, and that the art and the process of creating art enables me to heal enough to do the work that I need to do outside of just the art. Um, is a, like, I really love that and speaks to me very much as like a person and an artist. I think I just have a thought around, and I think it goes with what you were saying, Sherry, around like, talking about things that can be potentially difficult and hard 
but that there like there still can be healing within that and there's still and that there's still love there right i'm just thinking about a project i'm doing with somebody talking about mental health and interviewing them and having them be like and this is someone that i consider an elder being like nobody has ever talked to me about this mm -hmm. i've never had a space to say this out loud mm -hmm. and so i think about that even with some of the hardships like where is space I think about like where is the conversation that there can be joy found even in talking about difficult things and mm -hmm. processing through difficult and painful things mm -hmm. um and kind of the duality of that uh, i just want to reflect on the fact that me being south asian joy was always related to responsibility and conditioning of competence in getting somewhere and for me that's how i showed up uh you know working bringing a paycheck home and you know putting in the back burner of my basic identity of being a trans woman and when i don't have any of those today i just really thought there was no joy and what i found was that just being visible and just being out there uh, with my community and being a community leader helps build that joy for so many of us because there is no set defined way of joy, even though that's how I was conditioned to believe that if you have a paycheck, a bank account, and a husband or a partner, that you are, you, that's your, you know, what is that raw material for the chemical reaction of joy? <laughs> 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 or many other things. And that has been an evolution. And I, I, I have come to believe that it is very easy to get drowned in the difficulties of what we are conditioned to believe are tough times and when a time when the political environment in this country here back home in India was very pleasant and very conducive to trans people or people who are marginalized I was very much living my cis assuming life as a privileged woman and now when the times are tough I'm really out there because it's independent of how we can feel joy and still be able to be authentic. Mm -hmm. um, one example that really made me learn that is there is an organization in Bangalore, India that is called Aravaniyat Project. It's been around for about three years and I'm very involved with them. I'm fortunate for that. But the project is helping trans women who are into sex work and begging to become artists and mural painters. And when I have met them, they're just so happy and joyous. And some of them have had the most brutal lives, mm. you know, from having to do self-genital mutilation to being sold into brothels. And they were out here and Facebook had commissioned them to do artwork and the joy and the happiness they showed was so inspiring that there's no, like everybody is meant valid for their not being happy, but there was equally an important thing to learn from them that you can be very joyful and be content in who you are and the work you can do irrespective of what is, you know, prevailing around you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I think we have time for maybe one or two more comments before we're unfortunately gonna have to start closing it, wrapping it, closing the circle. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> Anyone else want to build on that or? Um, I just wanted share? to say one one thing, building on um, what you were saying about the joy that is un unlocked 
when you give people just a little bit of a paintbrush, right? And that also made me think about when we look at our world, do we have assumptions about who is entitled to joy and who is not, or who might have joy in their lives and who might not, which is very interesting. And then we were talking at our table earlier about how joy, if we believe that joy is infinite and abundant, mm -hmm. then every single living soul, right, has that abundance mm -hmm. of joy within them. And I think it's, it's definitely important for me to never make assumptions about where joy lives in the world, you know. So that was just, that was just really interesting. That made me think of that. Yeah, I really, I'm really enjoying this conversation about joy because I, as I'm just thinking through it I'm, and hearing everybody, I'm just thinking about how, um, one, joy tends to be healing. If you've ever worked with people in duress that once they're able to laugh at their condition or find humor, that you know they're on, the, on a path to wellness. And, mm -hmm. and then I think also that joy has been, I would say, I don't know, it's been put into this category that equates it with cluelessness or not being savvy or being dumb or clueless or something. There's something that I f I'm kind of getting the sense that we, our jo joy has been robbed. We're, um, it's, it's, you know, we're not sure. I have to walk on eggshells. Am I allowed? And I would just say, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm part Nigerian and we're considered the fourth happiest people in the world. And it has nothing to do with the state of the economy or the state of the government. It has to do with our immediate community and valuing family and valuing food and the simplicities of life. And so I'm just feeling kind of riled up to, in an activist way, we need to reclaim our joy. Mm -hmm. um, because that is what defies the powers that be. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever read anything about oppression, that's usually what they're trying to take from the mm -hmm. people is their right mm -hmm. to have joy. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. so, and sometimes joy can be a very political act in the face of other things. So anyway, that's what I'm just kind of feeling like for those of us who enjoy theater, we know how much joy it brings us to come to the theater. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it doesn't always make practical sense, you know, doesn't always work out financially. And yet we're drawn to it. I know. <laughs> but we do it and we commit that time because it is for a greater good. And so I don't know, I'm just kind of getting the sense it's not just about the individual joy, but joy tends to be activated within community. And so once we find community that we can identify with, we get to experience that joy. And so just a kind of a call and an encouragement to, you know, to be amongst people that are community so that we can laugh through the difficult times, laugh through as we're working through it, you know, because joyful people tend to generate a lot of solutions too, actually, if they're given mm -hmm. that capacity, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. getting that paintbrush to, to, to paint their way out or to joy their way out of the situation. So... Like I said, I've been watching a lot of kids lately, babies, and just how, like, man, they start out this way. So what happens, you know, to all of us? So anyway, that's just my encouragement for today. Yeah. Unless there are any other really, like, present comments that folks would like to offer, I'm, I'm maybe going to transition. Okay. Thank you so much. I feel like we're just getting started. That sucks. <laughs> so much more to say. And so much, yeah. This, but it just says we're here together. We're like, you know, this is this is the energy that we're building together. Uh, yeah, Eric Tang is leading a talk back after the show. Um, CC, our poet, one of many, has graciously agreed to read a piece from her book. 
And I think this is like just the best way to close us out. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I'm gonna, it's a fairly short piece. Uh, It's called How to Choose. And this is a poem that's brought me joy. Um, And it's really about um, meeting my grandma on my dad's side for the first time um, two years back. I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you, withholding nothing, withholding nothing, withholding nothing, withholding nothing. St. Louis loved me up in my mama's womb even though we didn't meet until I turned 24. It received love poems from the cracking pavement of my grandmother's house, allowed my auntie to lay eyes on me, say, I love you, in the flesh before the sickle cell anemia eroded first her eyes and then her body. And when I flew home from St. Louis, St. Louis made sure to gift me both sacredness and tradition poured into grandma's rings. This is the story of how I chose God. How I didn't learn of your humor and sweetness until six years after baptism. Learned how you curated heartbeats to vibe with jazz. See, I found you on the corner of rose quartz with a lit candle. I knew you by smile and you knew me by ring. By way of my grandmother's first hug. By way of my father's apology. By way of my great-grandmother's passing in the same week as my aunt's funeral and I knew you. You knew me by warm eyes that held no pity for me. But so much love and pride. I knew you by the way of thick coils and golden arms, by way of songs and psalms, and you knew me by way of uncut crystals. My grandmother's band, a St. Louis type of resiliency. You knew me by way of home and womb and heaven. And I am a black girl with four orbiting grandmothers and too many missing brothers. I harvested the deepest love of God through my grandmother's rings. I lived this life knowing that I loved her a lifetime with only hugging her once. I learned of God the first time she laid eyes on me and wept. Thank you. Thank you. I want to give a special shout out to the folks at this table for participating in this conversation, to Cece and Madri and Kimia. Thank you so much to everyone here for coming and you know, sharing food and conversation with us. We're super grateful. Thank yeah. you all for being here so much. Thank you. Thank Grab you. food, take leftovers. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And special thank you to Kat Petru and Nikki Gervasio of We Rise Production for recording, producing, and editing this episode of Asides. And thank you again to Madri Shekar, Kimia Shokri, Cece Gervais, and our community partner, Rise Youth Center. RISE creates safe spaces grounded in social justice for young people to love, learn, educate, heal, and transform lives and communities. They envision a community that inspires youth to live with pride and purpose, where the sounds of gunshots have been replaced by the sounds of organizing, song, collaboration, laughter, and learning. You can find more information at risecenter.org. That's R-Y-S-E center.org.